0: You're, 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 tu-
1: you're tuned into It's
0: Always Game Day in Cincinnati, the top podcast covering the
2: defending AFC champion, Cincinnati Bengals. Hosted by Lindsey Patterson and Mike Santagada at Odyssey Sports Podcast.
1: We are back on. It's always game day in Cincinnati. We are just hours, days away from the opener. I pour myself a nice hot chocolate, even though it's still really hot in Cincinnati. Mike Santagata, Lindsey Patterson, how you doing?
2: Oh, man, I'm doing awesome. Everything, you know, that we've got football. That's, that's just no more fake stuff, no more quarterback rankings and all this stuff just to start arguments. We finally got actual football.
1: I'm so pumped to talk about Sunday's matchup. I can't believe we get Bills and Rams tonight. Some have them as Super Bowl favorites. Obviously, the Rams just got off a Super Bowl win. I think that matchup's going to be a lot of fun, but we'll get to all the matchups, Super Bowl predictions, all of that fun stuff, and your questions out there on social media in our next segment. But one of the best things about this podcast, we have a producer, Nick Berlansky. He's going to join us because he's from Pittsburgh, that was a little bit about the Pittsburgh Steelers, the Bengals week one opponent. So we'll get him on in just a matter of seconds. I want to go ahead and get to you, Mike. We talked plenty about the matchup. You have a great article on all Let's get to what you think is going to be the best part of this game one against the matchup of positions.
2: So I think what I'm mostly looking for is um, I think this is a key. How dominant is Trey Hendrickson against Dan Moore? Because last year, 12 pressures, two sacks, including a force fumble. I mean, that's just that's insane production. So if he could do one sack and like five, six pressures again, that just hampers so much of the Pittsburgh passing game because you're already looking at Trubisky's probably not going to be playing at like an AA plus level. So when you take away five, six of his uh five or six of his pass attempts, then he really has to play better than he probably will be able to. But can Dan Moore look better? I mean, Dan Moore was a rookie. It was he was a rookie going against one of the best pass rushers. Maybe he's better this season. I don't know. So I think I'm watching that. I don't. I mean, I can't imagine that Moore gets the upper hand on Hendrickson. But <laughs> can he? Can he slow him down to Hendrickson only having like a B game, like three pressures and maybe a, a sack or half a sack? So that's the first one I look at. Is just how dominant can Trey Hendrickson be off the edge? Um, and the Pittsburgh running game. I know they tried to quote unquote improve their offensive line but they signed a bunch of guys I didn't like (laughs) Um, uh, so I don't expect much but hey if they prove me wrong like James Daniels is what some Bengals fans thought he would be and Mason Cole is moving guys in that interior and I don't know whoever else takes a step forward they got some young guys and they're moving the Bengals defensive line that's that's a trouble because what they should want is for Trubisky to probably pass as much as he can and you know to control the run game so that they can't move the ball as well as they you know just get Trubisky into third and longs I think that's what people want to do the Bears back when he was a quarterback there and that's really what you want to do to any quarterback that doesn't really hey Mitch can prove me wrong but the Steelers drafted a guy for a reason I don't think he's one of the guys even if he's a pretty solid quarterback at least considering if he was a backup or something he'd be one of the best backups I just don't think he's one of the best starters. Probably not really a good starter.
1: I I think when you hear about the Steelers team, the offense, the wide receivers, who do you think Eli Apple is going to be matched up with on Sunday?
2: So this is interesting. I saw from my friend, um, because I live in the Pittsburgh area, (laughs) uh, that Deontay Johnson's really 50-50 for this game. It's not like uh, he could have actually gone back into that game that preseason game, like Tomlin said, there's actually concern about him playing. So I don't know if there'll be a better update tomorrow or it's going to be a real game time decision. Maybe he just plays and none of this matters, but that shoulder actually seems to be bothering him a little bit. So if he doesn't play, man, I can't imagine Pittsburgh playing that much 11 personnel, right? Because why would you bring onto the field like a Miles Boykin instead of just bringing in your fullback or Zach Gentry as an extra tight end? I don't know. Uh, Let's say Deontay plays. Then I think that um, Eli Apple would mostly be matched up with George Pickens. Although I am rooting for the Eli Apple-Chase Claypool rivalry to begin again because Nobody's talking about it, but they had like five fights, not like full on fights, throwing punches, but like taking each other to the ground stuff.
1: (laughs) I missed this. When did I miss this, this matchup, this fight? I
2: I posted a little, a little thread of just like all these different plays. Like there's one Eli Apple tries to jam Claypool and Claypool starts fighting back. And then just both end up on the ground as part of a fight. There was another play. Ben throws the ball deep to Claypool. Apple pushes him down on the play. Um, There was a big hit that Eli Apple had on Claypool. I don't know. He seemed to really be getting under Claypool's skin. And I think they're both kind of a little bit similar personalities with uh, (laughs) they, they're both kind of irritants for the, for the opposition. So when they went up against each other, it felt like uh, these guys just don't really like each other. And I was kind of rooting for that to happen again, but it sounds like they want Claypool to be a, a power slot, big slot guy this season. But uh, hey, maybe if uh, Deontay is in limited time, maybe you do see that matchup again. But yeah, it, uh, I mean, it's on the all 22, but I don't think the broadcast ever highlighted because I think it was something that when I went back and watched, I was like, oh, these guys are going at it.
1: I mean, I'll never forget the T.J. Watt-Joe Burrow matchup one-on-one. That was a little crazy, but no, I totally missed this. I'm going to have to go back and watch and look it on your Twitter account, Bengals underscore Sands. All right, let's get our guy on, our producer, the guy behind the scenes who deserves a lot of credit. And Nick Berlance is going to join us right now. Nick, Steelers, Bengals, you're familiar. You're in the Pittsburgh area. You Mm -hmm. know this team. What's going on? What's going to happen on Sunday?
0: For me right now, the biggest thing that I'm going to look at is going to be what the Steelers defense can do against Joe Mixon. Because if you look at what Mixon was able to do against the Steelers in those two games last year, it was almost unfair. Now, it is a little bit different on the up the middle of the Steelers defense. I know Mike has been banging the drum for Cam Hayward for the past couple of episodes, and it, it – All due respect, that's where it should be. But the problem was the Steelers were still the worst defense against the run last year, and Mixon exposed that in those two games. So the two guys I want to look at is Miles Jack at the linebacker position and Tyson Alualu, is now back for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Those guys are going to be integral. If they can clog up the middle a little bit better, slow down Mixon, I don't think they're going to stop him. But if they can slow him down and not allow 150 yards like they did in one game last year, maybe the Steelers can keep it a little bit closer.
1: Yeah, the weather's going to be, it could be raining, it could be storming. Obviously, that's going to be hard for any offense out there. I think the Bengals are going to try to establish the run game, but they obviously have wide receivers and T. Higgins, Tyler Boyd, Jamar Chase. What matchup are you looking at when you look at the Steelers secondary against those guys?
0: Funny enough, I don't think anybody really handled Jamar Chase well last year, but the Pittsburgh Steelers didn't get beat by Jamar Chase. They forced it to be somebody else, and the problem with the Bengals is It can be somebody else. You mentioned there's Higgins, there's Boyd, who Pittsburgh fans will know very well, but T Higgins was really the guy that completely embarrassed the Pittsburgh Steelers last year in the matchup. So the problem with the Steelers is they got beat by everybody except Jamar Chase, and the best thing for them to look at and focus on is maybe try to keep Chase in check, but also trying to shut down somebody else, whether that is mixing in the run game, or it is one of the two other guys, because you're just not going to shut this entire offense down specifically with the fact that the Steelers defense, despite being as good as it is, is going up against a much better Bengals offensive line. So they're going to have to get pressure to find success. And if they don't do that, then they're really going to have to count on these corners that are a little questionable on Sunday afternoon.
1: The Bengals have had the last three matchups against them, but obviously if you look at the history, the Steelers have had Cincinnati's number for quite some time. Mike Tomlin has been able to still produce – doesn't really matter if Ben Roethlisberger was struggling last year. He -hmm. still took a team to the playoffs. Obviously, they kind of backed in. But Mike Tomlin still terrifies me for some reason in an opener where everyone, I feel like, is taking Cincinnati And it. Mm -hmm. When you look at Mitch Trubisky as the quarterback, how do you feel about him in week one?
0: I think the one thing you have to realize about Mitch Trubisky is he has had this job in the bag for a long time it's been his job for a while, but Mike Tomlin just wasn't ready to say it for a while. He was keeping it from the public for whatever reason. I think Deontay Johnson a couple days ago said, oh yeah, I learned that the first day I showed up at camp. They told me that that Mitch is the starter. So when you look at Mitch, he's a guy that's going to give you a little bit better, in my opinion, than Ben Roethlisberger did last season. Uh, He's a little bit more mobile. He has a little bit more of an arm. The only question is going to be, can that O-line hold up to give him the time to throw that deep ball, to throw those longer routes? If not, you're going to be really hoping that Claypool can adapt into that role. And then if Johnson's not prepared, you're going to have to hope that George Pickens can come in in his first career professional game and be able to create some space against the Bengals secondary because there's not going to be a lot of time for Mitch in that backfield. It's going to be a trial by fire. I think he's more than equipped to handle it, but it's going to be something where, of course, Bengals fans know he's going to have to be on the run like Joe Burrow was a couple seasons back.
1: Not to look too far ahead, but you have Kenny Pickett on the sideline depth chart. He's going to be the number two quarterback right now. When is Kenny going to take the field this season?
0: I think that the leash is at least the first couple of games. Like you're not going to see Kenny Pickett banging on the drum to get in. I mean, fans, fans are going to be doing it the first time they touch down on Acrisure stadium. But it, when you look at the actuality of it, Mitch Trubisky is going to get a pretty long leash here. Um, Patrick Mahomes kind of screwed everything up, taking that year off. And Alex Smith took that role and was the start of that year while Mahomes was ready. You saw it happen to Trey Lance last year. So I, I think you see a similar thing where, Steelers have a good defense, some really good talent on the outside and a pretty good quarterback in Mitch Trubisky that could potentially make this team a playoff team if he plays the top of his ability, similar to basically a, a great value level of Alex Smith. So maybe you don't see a Pickett at all this year, but I would think maybe after that buy is when you really start to see, especially if Trubisky is failing, that the Steelers are under 500, that's when you're going to see Pickett begin to get opportunities in the game.
1: Mike, you can go ahead. I'm sorry.
0: Oh, oh, man. This is just way
2: back. I guess I haven't mentioned Tyson Alualu very much, but mm-hmm. I think he's at least two years ago, he was awesome. And uh, I do think that was actually the biggest. I mean, like me standing for a nose tackle, but uh, I think he was the biggest issue with the run game because they didn't have a nose tackle that they could play. They tried. Mm-hmm. Loudermilk and all these other guys there. I don't think they tried Wormley there, but they're trying all these guys at nose tackle and they even tried Cam Hayward there, which was probably the best, but then it's like, you're missing Cam Hayward at three tech, which is better. (laughs) So I think that's actually big. If he could be, as good as he was two years ago at least just in the run game doesn't even have to be that penetrator on stunts but uh if he could do that then I think that can cause some issues for the Bengals run game at the mm-hmm. very least so I appreciate the shout out for my guy Tyson Lulu I know I shouldn't be rooting for any Steelers or whatever but I just think he had like a 36 year old breakout which is crazy <laughs> like yeah. Yeah, that was his best season and uh yeah, I think he was a good player. Like, I don't think it was like a fluke. I thought he was actually a good mm-hmm. player. And um, if they can actually get him over the center and have him disrupt the run game, that's going to be pretty big. Uh, I guess the the real question for me is, do you think that there's any way the Steelers – because what I see is the Bengals are heavy favorites, and what you really need mm-hmm. from that as the underdog is probably a few turnovers. Do you think the Steelers can really cause any meaningful, like, a, a two turnover type game. Mm-hmm. I know they have Minka Fitzpatrick and some havoc creators in their on their defense, but you think they can cause that, or do you think it's more so? Because I agree that like if if Mixon's cooking, that's that's probably the worst yeah. <laughs> time for the Coos because they'll just be able to play ball control and be the better team. Mm-hmm. But if they can slow down Mixon, do you think they can cause the turnovers too, or do you think that uh, I don't know? It's a little dicey with uh, Joe Burrow mm-hmm. and these weapons throwing against that secondary.
0: Oddly enough, I think that also goes back to Miles Jack because last year, because of how bad the linebacker play was, they had to use Minka Fitzpatrick in a role where he was this guy that was all over the field, almost like less than a Troy Palmolo because he wasn't just playing free safety like that, but he was was having to play up, play in those roles just to try to do something to stop the run. So hopefully Miles Jack's insertion helps them slow down the run and also frees up make Fitzpatrick to do what he does best which is really just play the field read the quarterback and make a play on the ball if he's able to do that then I could see him making a big play he only had two interceptions last year but he's really a guy that if he's allowed to play that center field position is one of the best at reading quarterbacks in the NFL and the other question is going to be how does Lyle Collins figure against T.J. Watt because if Collins loses that battle Watt is one of the best defensive ends in stripping the ball away from the quarterback so if he gets to Joe multiple times on sunday that could cause havoc and could potentially cause a turnover
2: i do think that the Bengals are very respectful to tj watt in terms of they usually chip the crap out of him (laughs) but he has to get through two guys not just collins usually now maybe they think they got the upgrade at right tackle and they don't have to do that anymore but if i if it was me i'd still be chipping the crap out of him i don't care if i got the upgrade right tackle let's save that for somebody else not the defensive player of the year (laughs)
1: Yeah, I I think one thing that makes me a little nervous, you talk about why that defensive line against this offensive line. Yes, the Bengals upgraded their offensive line when it comes to free agents. But this is going to be the first real live action game. They're going a little more hardcore in practice this week, but it's practice. It's different. It's it's not the real deal. It's not it wasn't preseason and it's not week one. So I do think and Mike, you can add to this when it comes to being an offensive line guru, too. It's going to take a couple reps. It's going to take, it could take a whole half. It could take a whole game for this offensive line to really gel together. They're more talented, but you also have a rookie at the left guard position playing in his first NFL game. So that's a little terrifying when you think about the Steelers defensive line going up against this team that's playing their O-line for the first time together.
2: Especially the guys that are on that defensive line against him because he's either getting <laughs> Cam Award, who I've been banging throw values, might be the second best defensive tackle in the league, Oh, he's getting our friend, Larry Ogunjobi, who's, uh, can create some havoc himself. So (laughs) I'm not excited for that particular matchup. I think that's something
0: Pittsburgh has the advantage on, but we'll see. No, sorry. Uh, the one last thing I did want to say, I said, I had a nice little stat, not something that Bengals fans are going to particularly like, but when it comes to divisional underdogs in week one of the season, since 2014, the stat I heard today, the divisional underdogs are 28, nine, and two against the spread. So with the spread being six and a half points, I don't know if I'd take the Steelers to win it. We'll talk about that a little bit later, but that six and a half plus six and a half for the Steelers looks real appetizing.
2: And uh, to add to stats Bengals fans won't like one of, one of Mr. Patrick's <laughs> two interceptions last year was against Burrow. It was an end of a half thing. So I, I didn't think it was a detrimental one, but one of his picks was there. And two years ago, miles Jack caught an interception against Joe Burrow by ripping the ball out of uh, Drew Samples hands. I don't know if people remember that against the Jags
1: well there's two things that terrify me it's Mike Tomlin being the underdog and the six and a half I don't like anything about the six and a half I really don't I mean can we just make that a little little bit closer to game time because that's terrifying uh but we'll get to that prediction Super Bowl predictions what's gonna happen on Sunday week one Nick Berlansky. he's gonna join us all season because he knows his stuff NFL fan Pittsburgh guy play Pittsburgh twice, so we've got to have them on more than once, and we'll get to all of that as we get back on. It's always game day in Cincinnati.
2: Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. It's always game day in Cincinnati with Lindsey Patterson and Mike Santagata.
1: We are back on it's always game day in Cincinnati Thursday mailbag making this a segment it's almost game day we'll get to predictions super bowl winners all of that fun stuff in our next segment but again make sure you're following us on twitter Bengals underscore sands ellen ds patterson we are going to ask for your questions on thursday morning a lot of offensive line questions i mean this will never fail when it comes to Bengals fans just the nfl overall but we'll go ahead and get to Mark Young's question over on Twitter. Realistic expectations for this O line in week one against the best D line, which we talked a little about in the first segment.
2: Uh the realistic expectation. Um to me, it's it's a stalemate, is what I, I would expect. Uh like a kind of a little bit of a pause because I do think they have a slight advantage D line to our to the Bengals offensive line. So Realistic expectation is to not get killed and uh, slow everything down. And honestly, I think a stalemate. I think it will end up being a net neutral. I think Jonah Williams has usually done a good job against Alex Highsmith. Um, Karis is a pro's pro. And then – You got, uh, I think Kappa matches up well with these guys. I could, hopefully I don't get proven wrong. And I think they're gonna give a lot of help against Watt. And in the run game, Collins is a beast. So I'm not too, too worried about that. I'm more worried about if he's one-on-one in pass protection. The one issue would be if Volson just completely tanks against uh, Ogunjobi and Hayward. You don't want to see that. But otherwise I'm expecting just about a stalemate. I don't think that the Pittsburgh defensive line will kill them. I think it'll be about even.
1: All right, well, we'll follow it up with Parker's two questions. Predictions for the best and worst player on the offensive line in week one, and does Jackson Carmen work his way back into the lineup?
2: Um, week one, it'd be hard to say. I think Collins is the best player in general, but it'd be hard to say he has the best game when he's going against Watt for a majority of the time. Uh, I'll say I think Jonah has the best game in week one because I do think he's always matched up pretty well with Highsmith. And I've kind of talked about who I think might have the worst game would just be, it's so tough for Volson in this first start. I'm not expecting too much. I'm just hoping he doesn't tank it, really. Um, Jackson working his way back in the lineup. I don't see it. What do you think about either one of those?
1: Yeah, I think you got to go with Wolfson. And no offense to him, I mean, it's his first game. It's different than college football. You're getting little to to few reps in preseason. Obviously, we've got the chance to see him at left guard. When you think about the competition with Jackson Carmen, I don't even think. I think Zach Taylor was really honest. We talked about it a couple of podcast episodes when he says, you know, he likes Jackson, but unfortunately, he's a backup guard right now, backup and- on this offensive line.
2: And after Sharping, I I just don't even see him being the first backup. Like, he's probably second, maybe even third if is not in there. Like, they might opt with him.
1: Yeah, I just don't see Jackson Carmen being an option this season. I know we're talking just days away from the opener, and there's a lot of games. And if this team wins and they're playing in January, you're going to need that depth on the offensive line. I just haven't seen anything from Jackson Carmen when it comes to training camp, his reps in preseason. I mean, he struggled out there against second to third string guys. I don't know if that's the guy you want out there full time protecting Joe Bro, even if bolson struggles a little bit. Um, I could see them picking up another guy on the street to add more depth. But yeah, I, I agree. I don't think Jackson Carmen is your, your backup right now at left guard position. So I don't see that happening now. One of the things you have to think about that I hate thinking about with this offensive line in, in any position. With the Bengals or in the NFL is injuries, and you don't want to see any of those with your offensive line, or you'll get flashbacks to the Super Bowl and who was protecting Joe Burrow, which is still insane. And that guy should have won MVP for what he did last year with what he was being protected by, just in his overall two seasons in the NFL, which is insane. But I'm gonna stay with offensive line right now, David Light actually brings up a good question and I'll give my answer before I let you ask because I know what I want to say on this but he said do you think that Zach Taylor scaled back just a little bit due to bad offensive line play last year and will we see a more aggressive approach so me personally when I look back at last offseason or last season I felt like It was a no-brainer that Zach kind of wasn't as aggressive because Joe Burrow is just coming back from this horrific knee injury. And he's slowly getting him back out there. And then we started to see that as a couple months into the NFL season. And Joe was cooking. You know, he had that connection. He had the chemistry with his wide receivers, and they trusted what they had. Joe still took way too many hits. He should never take that many in his NFL career in a single season ever again. But I think that was more due to – and it could be 50-50 to the offensive line, bad play too. But I think he started to feel a little bit better about Joe coming back from his injury. And that's when they got a little more aggressive on offense. What did you think?
2: Yeah, I think you'll see a lot more of the second half of the year. And I, I think some of this is what I think is it's twofold. The beginning of the year, they were definitely protecting Joe. And then week by week, they'd add a little bit more for him. And then by I think what really happened was that second Ravens game was when it really felt like it all opened up completely, like the reins were taken off. But there was still a little bit of – they were being hamstrung a little bit because they couldn't really run any – they couldn't really realistically run deep middle-of-the-field concepts consistently. They'd try sometimes, and even when they'd run some things, it would just be three wide receivers and seven-man protection. So I don't know. I I think definitely he had – his hands tied behind his back, and it was twofold with the injury and the offensive line. So I think you'll see a more aggressive approach this season. I think you'll really see is a bit more of a shotgun offense. I think they're still going to keep the under center wide zone because that's just what they believe in for the run game. But I think you'll see more of that second half of the year, the game plans against the Ravens and Chiefs and kind of 49ers, all those teams, except you might be able to hit more middle-of-the-field concepts because you have time for it.
1: Max says, how realistic is it at some point that Zach hands the keys over to Brian Callahan? And you heard Joe Burrow today with Pat McAfee. I thought it was a great interview. He's so honest with people uh, when he does those rare interviews. And he talked about just coming into Cincinnati into a great situation. He mentioned his relationship with Zach Taylor, Brian Callahan. And I know with Zach Taylor and Brian Callahan, the quarterback coach and Joe, they meet, you know, the Saturday, the Friday before where they're just talking one on one and they're in their group sessions as they're going over the offense and plays that Joe likes, plays that his coaches like. And they have a great relationship because I don't know how much longer Brian Callahan is going to be on this staff. And that's a good problem to have because that means your offense is succeeding. You're getting head coaching interviews, which could have, you know, could have happened last year if somebody would have picked him up. He's getting those interviews in the off season too. But I think that personally, Zach and Joe have a great relationship and Zach is going to continue to be the quarterback of the offensive playbook. That's me personally. What about you? Yeah,
2: I give it like a 1% chance of happening to be honest. <laughs> it's like yeah, yeah, if Zach gets run over on the sideline by a player, you know, trying <laughs> to take over. I hope don't it doesn't want happen. that to happen. No, there's like there is a 1% chance that like it's just going so poorly. You've seen like Andy Reid sometimes just go like I don't know. I'm giving it to um, whoever. uh But I I don't see the offense going that poorly, and I also don't see a player running into. I think <laughs> he's pretty aware on the sideline. <laughs> he didn't yeah. pull the Tom number where he's got his back turned to the kick returner or something. Um, yeah, I I don't see it happening to be honest, because by the time you might try to do it, I think Callahan's gone, and you're you're talking up a new offensive coordinator. At least that's my opinion. I think I think he has a two year expiration date. I think he I think it'll be this year after this season is when he's probably going to move on and get a head coaching gig just because I think the Bengals offense is going to be really good. And those guys just don't stick around. But if it's not, then it's might be the next year. I mean, it could be an Eric B enemy situation where he's just there forever and they, well, he doesn't call plays or something like that, but I think he's going to interview well. He's always been, (laughs) it felt like a good mind in the offensive room.
1: I think the good thing is they they have a great relationship. But do you think that we know that Zach calls plays and and Zach will will say after a game, after a loss, I mean, we heard it after the Super Bowl, we heard it after the Niners game where he regretted his play calling in those games. But don't you think that Joe has a little more say, if not like on a percentage base, most of the say on some of the plays that he's going to go call out there? What, what would you say, Joe, they, they trust Joe in in year three?
2: I think he gets more. I think last season it felt a lot like he had the kill with two play options where he if he gets a bad look, he can kill it to the other one. Um, I think they'll give him more because it seems like they keep talking this up. Like, well, Joe knows this play's not gonna work, but last season he didn't know exactly what to get into to make it work. Now I'm thinking, I don't know, this could be wrong, but what I'm thinking is just like he kind of gets the full on he has like four or five plays that he can get to at the line of scrimmage based off the pre-snap look of the defense. Maybe that's wrong. Maybe that's just projecting too much. We'll see just how much he's changing at the Lions. Is he full Peyton Manning back there or something? But uh, I think you might see a little bit more of that this season than you did last year
1: we talk about the coordinators still being on staff. And one of the things when you're a good team, your assistants get interviews. Will Lou brings up a point that I don't really hear a lot about over the offseason is how much does losing Al Golden mean to your linebacking room and your defense?
2: It's tough to say. I feel like he's a really good coach, but... Um... I assume he's done a great job developing everybody because Jermaine Pratt's become a solid pro. Logan Wilson's a great linebacker. Even the guys that would keep stepping in, Bailey, Johnston, um, Batchy, they all played at a good level, at least for backup starting. It was like, oh, he's not bad. Um, So you, you might not be able to buoy the back end of the linebacker. It's not like anybody can step in and be solid, but it's hard to say just how much of an effect he has uh, when we haven't seen them play without him so it's something to watch this season Do all the linebackers take a step back even with dj reader and the guys up front healthy that could be an al golden hint like oh he was doing a lot for this or maybe they play around the same level and really uh golden already did all the improvements with these guys got them up to speed and it's just that when the back back end guys enter they're not playing as well as they did last season
1: yeah, it's hard for me because obviously he's probably a great coach. You get a promotion, you move on for good reasons, but you do have a talented defense that I feel is very, still very much underrated. And then you get Logan Olson in your linebacker room. And that, that has to be pretty nice as a linebacker coach. Uh, Cody brings up a fun question. Who is your second string hero this year?
2: Oh, uh, okay. Um, oh man, it feels like you have to go D line with this and um oh the popular answer and dax hill if you count him is probably also a very popular answer i will go with cam sample though because i thought he had a heck of a preseason and i just really want to see that guy succeed you know he's uh, he's kind of forgotten about but he's been he was fine last year and as a rookie fourth round pick that's awesome so this season if he can be Kind of like when like Frosty Rucker would come in and he'd play at a pretty decent level and he might get a, sta- a splash play a sack or something. It's just like oh yeah, Frosty. Oh no, Cam doesn't have the uh, as fun of a name, but that's that's kind of what I'm hoping for is like a Frosty Rucker career for my guy Cam Sample.
1: Frosty Rucker had the best NFL name. One day we will do a segment on best NFL names, and he and Cincinnati alone. But he just went on to just have I love it. He shouldn't. Should have been like banking on like Frosty commercials with Wendy's. And I don't <laughs> know if he did. Maybe he did at some point, but he had a great name and, and I miss Frosty. He was actually in town over training camp and his son was uh, thrown with Jamar Chase. So a little f- full circle moment. We'll end with this one. Mike, great name. I didn't put his last name, so I apologize, Mike. Sometimes I didn't put your Twitter handles because I didn't want to butcher it. Um, He says the Bengals pass rush versus the Steelers offensive line. What's that going to look like?
2: The Bengals pass rush versus the Steelers offensive line. Uh I I don't think too highly of most of these Steelers offensive linemen. I know some of them are young, can, t- can take a step forward, but I think Fred Hendrickson has a game. If I was gonna bet, I think he gets five pressures and maybe and I would say over under half a, over under a sack, because I think he'll get one sack. I don't know if he can get two because Trubisky's pretty mobile, but at the same time, Trubisky doesn't get the ball out as quick as Ben. So I think Hendrickson has a game. Hubbard probably gets his against uh, a core for... I don't think that reader and those guys are, they're, they're just not, not the best pass rushers. I think BJ Hill would be the best pass rusher of that group, or if they move Hubbard inside, have Osai come off the edge. I mean, what I'm expecting is that the Bengals defensive line kind of, takes over the line of scrimmage in that situation. I don't know what you're expecting between those two, but that, that is, I think, an advantage for the Bengals.
1: Yeah, 100%. And, and Dan Orlowski, I think he's one of the best on ESPN when he breaks down all the plays. And, and Trey was actually one of the top five top guys to watch this weekend when it comes to you know how important it is to have a good game. And I think with Trey alone, It's hard to repeat a great season, uh, but you think about when the Bengals signed him in free agency over a year ago. Kind of the chatter. Oh, he, you know, he he was okay. He's no Carl Lawson. He's not this guy. I don't know how I feel about. It. He's not going to do what he did with the Saints in Cincinnati. And now you look at him and what he did last year. And if he can just do repeat half of that or eighty percent of that, um, this defense is in good shape. And I still feel it'll be underrated, even going into Week One and just the season alone with Trey Hendrickson. But now we get to predictions. We're going to get to that in our next segment. That's going to be my favorite. Of the week because we'll always have audio if we're wrong or for right. Super Bowl predictions, Bengals Steelers week one. We'll get our guy Nick Berlansky back on to see his prediction, Bengals Steelers next on It's Always Game Day in Cincinnati. This,
2: this is It's Always Game Day in Cincinnati with Lindsey Patterson and Mike Santagata.
1: We are back on it's always game day in Cincinnati prediction time. I'm so pumped. We had to talk about regular season, real games. That's going to happen in 30 minutes. Rams and Bills tonight as we're recording this. Bengals, Steelers, week one just days away. We'll get to that in just a second because one of the biggest things on social media today, you got to get that Super Bowl prediction out before the game start, or it's not real. One minute after, yep, you, you fail. You don't count. Got our guy Nick Berlansky, our producer over here. Mike Santagata, one of the O-line gurus, Bengals experts on Twitter, Bengals underscore Sans. I'm just talking you both up. You guys, you guys know your stuff. I'm not going first on my Super Bowl prediction, and I'll have a lot to follow up with it for Bengals fans as a disclaimer, but we'll make Nick go first. Nick, who's going to the Super Bowl?
0: Well, well, when I look at it, it's obviously, for me, actually, it's easier to produce and predict An AFC champion, which I'm going with the Kansas City Chiefs. The NFC is kind of a a crapshoot because you don't want to always pick the favorite. But when you look at the guys that aren't the favorites, I'm not picking the Cowboys. I'm not picking the Vikings. I'm not picking the Eagles either. So my Super Bowl prediction is Chiefs versus Bucks. And I have Patrick Mahomes going wire to wire, starting the season in Arizona with a win and also getting a win at the end of the season in Super Bowl
1: 57. All right, I'll go. I'll go, Mike, and I'll go, Nick, right now. And I promise I'm not cheating off Nick's prediction. I did see it before we recorded today, and this has been something I've been thinking about all day. Here's where I feel like things went wrong for Buffalo. Everyone thinks the Buffalo Bills are going to the Super Bowl and they're going to win it. There are very few predictions out there from national media experts around the league who don't want to not take Buffalo. And I think it's crazy. They have a great quarterback. They do have a great team. You could put them in as Super Bowl contenders. You can put a handful of teams as Super Bowl contenders right now in the AFC because it's loaded. This team didn't get past the divisional round. You want Everyone wants to talk about what a great game Kansas City and the Buffalo Bills had. Oh, my goodness. Can you believe it? No, your defense failed you and you didn't get past the divisional round, I'm not taking you. You might go to the AFC championship game, but you're going to lose. And if I'm wrong, we'll have this podcast forever, and I'll be wrong about it. There's far too many people, as a sports fan, as someone who's been in the NFL media, you know when too many people are taking you, it's only bad news. Here's where fans are going to hate me. Because I've said all offseason, I think it's really incredible that Cincinnati was able to beat the Chiefs twice in January. I think they showed the league how to stop Patrick Mahomes. I still think Patrick Mahomes is a top quarterback. You know, if, I'm not going to do a top five right now, but he's a top quarterback. They're still a good team. My disclaimer is because I'm not taking Cincinnati, I'm going to say it right now. I'm not taking the Bengals because I don't want to jinx them. I'm not going to be that person that says they're getting back because it is hard to get back to the super bowl. Everyone knows that I've only watched one super bowl in my life with this team. I'm going Kansas city because I don't want to take the chargers. I don't want to take Buffalo. I don't want to take the Ravens. And I feel like it hurts a little less to take Kansas city, even though Cincinnati semi has their number with Joe Burrow. And then I flip sides to the NFC and it is what it is. Part of me wants to take the Packers, but why? Why am I taking the Packers? Because it's Aaron Rodgers. I feel like I'm telling like a story here, but I just want to express why I'm not taking the Packers. I don't believe in them either. I got to go Tom Brady. I know his offensive line is all banged up, but you look around the NFL, rarely does a team have a good offensive line. They still have great weapons. I still like Tom Brady. He's performing at an MVP level. He did it last year too. I feel like he's going to have himself another season. And he's just like on a revenge tour with life and football. So I'm going Bucks in Kansas City and I'll take Tom Brady to get another ring.
2: You know what? I, I I may have I may be changing it live because I had no idea that you guys were both picking the one I had in my mind. So we're gonna go full Homer and Bengals are going yes. back and winning the Super Bowl against the Philadelphia Eagles. I think the Eagles it. offensive line could take them as far as the Super Bowl. We're full over. The Bengals take them down. (laughs) I was going to go Chiefs-Bucks, but then I'm like, I'm not doing that. We were making fun of everybody going Bills. What am I going to do, pick the Chiefs with the other two? I'm not going to pick the Chargers. I'm not picking the Bills. I'm not going to pick the Colts or Titans or the Ravens. It's Bengals. (laughs) who we're going to the super bowl <laughs> Lindsay has the whole twitter thing it's like I'm an optimistic Bengals fan I consider myself more realistic but here I'm I am
1: your name you have to change your name if they start winning you have to change your name to optimistic underscore sans
2: <laughs> if it's available oh man yeah I'll go Bengals to the Super Bowl I don't see why not I mean they're a balanced team they could they have an offense that can run the ball they could pass the ball do whatever they want they have an offensive line now. They're a better team than they were last year. Joe Burrow should be better this season. Do I think this is like 100% this will happen? No, it's what I'm rooting for. Maybe the heart has bled into the mind a little bit, but I think that Luana Anarumo, while he's here, because I think he's another guy that's going get poached pretty soon, he does an awesome job game planning for each opponent. I've talked about that. So I think if they go to Buffalo or if they have to face Kansas City again, he's going to have a plan that's going to work because in the playoffs, every single one of his game plans worked. I think he does a really, really good job of adapting to the opponent in the playoffs. I think the Bengals make the playoffs. I'm not going to be one of those YouTube uh, opinions of they'll be better, but they won't make the playoffs type thing. No, they're making the playoffs. And I'm just going to take them to the Super Bowl because I don't want to pick Kansas City with you guys. On the other side, I thought Bucks, and, and you guys both picked them. So, no, I'm not going to go Bucks. We have to diversify the portfolio. <laughs> I'm not going to go Packers because they're always going to disappoint, it feels like. Out West, I feel like the Rams just, it's a hangover. 49ers, no quarterback. Cowboys, they're down Tyron Smith. Saints, no chance. (laughs) So I'll go with the Eagles. i went kind of just crossing things off in my mind. Um, I think the Eagles have a good coach. I think they have an awesome defense. They've got Jordan Davis. They're kind of my NFC team, so this is also a heart pick. So I'm just going to go Bengals, Eagles, and fully pick with my heart.
1: I love everything about that. And I'm going to just add another disclaimer because I'm going to get hammered for it. I know Cincinnati can beat Kansas City, but I feel like we're going to see a little bit of a deja vu in the AFC Championship game. I don't want any of that to happen. I want to say I want to see them in the Super Bowl and I want to see them win. But I'm just going with that because I'm trying to jinx it. That's exactly where I'm going. I'm going Kansas City. Bucks jinx in it, but I but I think it would be really cool to see the Bucks and the Bengals, but I'm not picking it, but I would think it'd be pretty dark. I think it'd be pretty great. Um, but yeah, that's where we're at. Wow. Wow. I feel like that was a lot of passion. Um, <laughs> and I don't think anybody else is putting this much passion because I've thought about it all day. I was like, who do I want to go? I didn't want to, I didn't want to go Chargers Ravens, and I definitely wasn't going Buffalo. Nothing against Buffalo. I love their fans, they're awesome. There's just too many people who are taking them for a game from last year that I don't feel like they paid full attention to a lot of their games last season. Of oh, yeah.
2: I, that, that Buffalo, overtime they couldn't stop a blind man from crossing the road. I mean, like, the, there's a lot of talk about the offense, but if you just don't give up <laughs> a touchdown in 13 seconds, you win the game.
1: Yeah well that was a lot of fun super bowl predictions we're going to see in about five to six months who's right on that watch us all be wrong uh but i hope we're not i hope somebody's right and then you know hopefully Bengals underscore Sans is optimistic <laughs> yeah.
2: Look, you guys get dunked on. Nobody's got dunked on me for picking the yeah. bangles in this podcast. Yeah, who cares, National, they would.
1: Yeah, who cares if I would have, if I would have, I mean, they're gonna be like, oh great, you got it right. I mean, wow. Um, no, nobody will care that that would actually be bad. If It would be bad for business um, if if my prediction comes true. All right, let's, let's get to week one. It's almost here. And speaking of a lot of optimism. I'm seeing a lot of predictions right now from Pittsburgh, the athletic ESPN sports illustrated, and um, it's kind of a clean sweep. And that is absolutely terrifying for an AFC defending team. Who's coming back home sweet home. The last time they played there, they were winning a playoff game. And I think personally, I'll go ahead and wrap mine up because I'm talking too long um i'll go i'll go i'll go cincinnati 28 17 t higgins gets two touchdowns and joe mixon has a day but i still feel like there's going to be a lot of moments where this game is close
2: um yeah i think that pittsburgh felt demasculated by little brother last year and they're going to sell out to stop joe mixon in the run game because they just won't be beat that way and i think that the pittsburgh defense is good so i i think it's going to be like annoying that you're just going to see more punts than you expect and the Bengals' offense isn't shooting off the fireworks like you hope i still think they win though and i think it'll be 24 17 i think that pittsburgh just does enough to make it a close game but i can't i just don't think their offense is going to have enough juice to be able to overcome uh the Bengals are eventually gonna score it's just can they slow them down how much i don't see the Bengals losing without multiple turnovers
0: my opinion could change vastly based on whether or not Deontay Johnson is healthy and available for the Pittsburgh Steelers. But with the information we know today, he was limited at practice on Thursday afternoon. So with that, I already teased that I I like the Steelers plus six and a half because that is such a large spread for an AFC North game, no less, especially when there's, there's Pittsburgh Steelers team that's going to be entirely different. Than what you saw last season against the Bengals. But I'm still going to take the Bengals to win the game. I, I do think the better team ends up coming out on top, especially because I don't think the Pittsburgh Steelers' offensive line is going to play all that particularly well. I think Hubbard and Hendrickson are going to have a really good game against the Pittsburgh Steelers. So my final prediction for this one is going to be Cincinnati 24 and Pittsburgh 20.
1: All right. It's almost game time. This has been fun. We had to do about four to six podcasts without a real game. And we are finally making it to a real game. And the fun news is we'll have a live reaction after the game. That recap will be out for your Monday morning drive. We'll see what happens week one at Paycor Stadium. Bengals Steelers. Nick Berlansky, we're gonna make him join us all season I'm gonna make him just do extra work sorry Nick gonna say that right now uh good stuff predictions a lot of fun I'm excited to see what happens on Sunday and just in a couple minutes because we got football to watch Bills and Rams we'll see what happens week one make sure you're following along over on Twitter but we'll be back on Sunday night you'll hear it on Monday morning on it's always game day in Cincinnati